Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show for Wednesday, August 30th. And your eyes are not deceiving you. Kyle Serafin is a man of many talents, but shape-shifting is not one of them. I am the real Steve Friend in today for our friend Kyle Serafin, who is enjoying some much-deserved time at home with the family. Had new baby arrive a few days ago. Uh, had some recent reports and some pictures. Everything is good on the home front for Kyle, but I think he's taken some well-deserved time comforting the wife, comforting the kids. He actually told us yesterday that he took the other class of, uh, of characters over to the store to go get their first experience with Trick Cereal. So I think uh, Kyle's enjoying his time home and uh, he will be back shortly. In the meantime, I'm here, your real Steve friend, Friendly Friday edition a little bit early this week. is gonna be on Wednesday and I just wanna open up with an appeal to you. I get it. I've been a consumer of the news and podcasts and news radio and television for my entire adult life, I get it. There's a relationship you develop with your host, with your show. It becomes part of your life. Kyle talks about it with me all the time. People feel like they really know him. He's talking to them. They're working out. They're making dinner. They're driving to work. They hear that voice, and you feel like you really know the person. And I know it's just devastating when you don't have that voice, that familiar voice in your ear or on your camera screen uh, when it comes time for this show that has become such a great part of your life. And I'm gonna do my best today. I think I've got some good content to bring to you and I'm not gonna be alone. I'm gonna be bringing on your friend, my friend, GOB Actual soon, so that uh, he and I can have a great conversation. There he is. And uh, Garrett, are you excited now? We can, we can fill the chair for the time being. I like to compare myself to, uh, to Mrs. Dash, which is why we've titled the show today, Mrs. Dash Hosts. Kyle is the, uh, the, the turkey dinner that everybody comes to, to eat. And then every once in a while, you have a little zany zest thrown in. On, that's Mrs. Dash. That's me. So today, we're going to see if the seasoning is enough to carry the weight for the full one-hour stream. I will do my best. G.O.B. Actual, can I count on you? Uh, don't hold your breath. <laughs> well, the better question is, can we set the bar so low that <laughs> we will exceed it? Uh, Ryan is on the uh, on the dials. Can you queue up video number one for us? Because I think it's very important to uh, under promise and over deliver. So can we exceed this video? Candidate. When can we take some calls, Ivan? Whenever we want. Do we, do we, we have calls that are on there now? Do no calls, calls yet. No calls, no yet. calls yet. What number do people call to get on the air, Ivan? Do we have that number? It's right there. <clears throat> oh, do I have the call number in front of me? Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, that's interesting. Interesting. Do we have any calls yet there, Ivan? No calls. Let's read some more about Scientology. <laughs> Is Sean Hannity a Scientologist? Alec Baldwin posing the big questions tonight here. Uh, do we have any calls here yet, Ivan? There you have it. That is the great Alec Baldwin pre-rust uh, execution. So uh, he has been just crapping the bed, sorry for the language, uh, for years and years on end. But I mean, in his defense, I, I think that he has a very 
uh, high belief of his own intellect. And he thinks that this job that uh, that you and I are attempting to do right now is pretty easy. And uh, he just rolled in unprepared and was going to toss it to the callers. And uh, unfortunately, nobody was interested. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's typical. It's what we talk about a lot with our our former FBI colleagues, that hubris. It it runs deep. And uh, Alec Baldwin, he couldn't escape it with his faux attempt at hosting either. So let's hope we do a little better than he does. All right. We'll give it our best shot here. We'll give it the old college try. Um, I uh, have queued up some some uh, information that I'd like to have a discussion with you about. It's something that's sort of been close to my heart, something that I've been working on in uh, over the last uh, six, eight months with the Center for Renewing America. I think that this is the, the content that I've been trying to bring forward. It's content that you and I, when we went and testified, tried to flesh out, but unfortunately, there was too much uh, childhood activity going on from the Congress people in front of us. They like to argue, and, and we didn't really get our chance to take our best shot. So um, I want to queue up the uh, the first link, Ryan, if I could. And this is a top 10 weaponization issues that are within the FBI, something that uh, published last April. And it's a top 10 list sort of keeping in uh, the theme of the FBI top 10 most wanted. Uh, but there are issues in here that I got to a little bit more detail, a little bit more granular on than just your your three-minute uh, hit on a cable news station. And I'd like to flesh them out with Garrett, at least a few of them, to see if he had some anecdotal experience or he wants to contribute. You always want to uh, you know, look outside of what your own purview was. And you and I had two different experiences. We were actually pretty close to each other, uh, divisions. We, I was in the, the Omaha division for the most part. I spent the latter end of my career with the FBI in Jacksonville, but uh, the lion's share in Omaha. And uh, Garrett, you were in Kansas City, correct? Correct. Kansas City Division. I was down in Wichita, Kansas for that entire time, other than uh, once I made SWAT, I traveled up to Kansas City quite a bit. Yeah. Did you guys uh, train in Kansas City all the time, or did you actually go out to other remote locations? Uh, by and large, it was Kansas City. Occasionally, we'd go elsewhere. Our range was out in Leavenworth, but yeah, we, for the most part, it was in, in Kansas city and just the surrounding areas. Yeah. I mean, we did, we did our selection for new members jointly with Kansas city team a couple of times. And I remember we went down and shot at the Leavenworth range one time and you guys were intense during selection. Like your team was way more hardcore than the Omaha team was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I learned that, uh, after I got selected, uh, they talked about how they had done the joint, um, selections with Omaha for I don't know how long but it sounded like quite a while and then uh, we did a selection right before I was uh, set to leave and we did that one solo at that Leavenworth range that you've been to and um, yeah that, that Kansas City's um, uh, team character certainly is a, a little more amped up than than Omaha and probably perhaps a handful of other teams out there yeah, I mean, we would come out of these evolutions, and, and as, once you're on the team, for those who don't know, you, you know, you go through the selection, and some teams get really hardcore. It's multiple days, and they think of it almost like a Navy SEAL bud selection process. It could be multiple days. So I've heard New York is like a week long. Omaha was basically one day. I mean, it was like an eight-hour smoke session where they'd run you around. You'd be doing a lot of physical fitness, and then they'd throw you into a scenario when you're out of breath and your heart's racing uh, you'd have to make a good decision and it was just sort of to test your judgment and, and what you were capable of doing and i remember when we teamed up with kansas city they were way harsher on the scores uh than than we were in omaha but we were always desperate for bodies i mean we were always right at that cut line of do we have enough people uh -huh. um and and then i will say this we we kind of implemented one protocol that i thought was very valuable that i would like to see implemented around and that was 
every evolution of the day, one of our teammates would do it with the selectees. And the concept was one, that you're going to demonstrate, hey, we do this too. And two, if nobody was willing to do that activity, then it probably should be scrapped from selection because you know it has that tendency to things that, well, I'm going to make it harder next year and then harder the next year. And then eventually it does become like Navy SEAL selection. And at the end of the day, it's a, it's a four day a month training part-time SWAT team, not a tier one asset. Yeah, for sure. Like our, uh, the, that last selection we did, it was a lot more ramped up and it was, it was more, it was more like two days. And as you know, I'm sure based on what you just said, a lot of the guys on the team, they get there and then they, they come up with, it's like the, uh, you know, the, the shiny fairy in the corner of the room. It's like, okay, well, what the, the good idea fairy, you know, and, and all these guys come up with these ideas on how to smoke these dudes and whatnot. And they're like three guys on the team who could hang. Yeah. And it's, it's like, and you're going to put these dudes through it for two days. It, that doesn't make any sense, but yeah, it's a problem that exists when the FBI uh, didn't make my top 10 list though. So <laughs> let's get into uh, these items. And, and I think you and I have hammered uh, the first item on, on the list. Uh, if you scroll down and folks, this is at uh, America renewing.com. This is the center for renewing America's website. You can learn all about this organization. They do way more than dump on the FBI, but uh, that is my specialty that is close to my heart. So that is something that I produce. And if you were to go to AmericaRenewing.com and you look at the issues tab, it is under big government where you will find this in a written format. So if you uh, like to consume your information in, in, through reading, um, you can. And there's also some uh, videos that I've discussed before on the Kyle Serafin Show podcast. Uh, and that is every Thursday, every Thursday, 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 Thursday. Every Thursday at noon, we are dropping um, a two minute two and a half minute video that is covering one of these issues. So it's a little bit more bite-sized, a little bit more consumable. So uh, if we if we pull up this this link here, um, and, and Ryan, could you get video number two ready? Uh, I wanna skip over the, uh, the quota system, the IPM, integrated program management. I think I've kind of beat that to death, uh, but I would like to, to go to number two. And that involves the FBI's national security branch, which is expanding its role into domestic criminal investigations. Go ahead and run. Since September 11th, the FBI's role has evolved from the law enforcement agency that we all sort of know from popular culture and through history to now it's a, a national security almost intelligence-driven agency. And when the terrorist attacks of September 11th happened, and our military looked to those threats and addressed those threats, they did a fantastic job. The FBI was also tasked with the national security agenda. And after a few years, there was just not the work for them to do. But it's the federal government, it's a self-looking ice cream cone, they have to justify their existence. And as a result of that, the focus shifted to homegrown violent extremism. And those were first-generation Americans, uh, recent immigrants who might share sympathies with outside actors like Al-Qaeda, Al-Shabaab, Boko Haram. That well dried up after a few years, and now the FBI has turned its focus onto domestic violent extremism. President Biden in September 2022 had his speech in front of Independence Hall. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. And he identified MAGA Republicans and eventually softened that to be Republicans in general as being anti-government extremism and radical ethnic extremism, parenthetically white supremacy. 
It's not a surprise that the FBI's two top priorities for its counterterrorism division are anti-government extremism and white supremacy as a result of that. And that is a derivative of this creeping national security state that we've had that now has all these enhancements and these tools at their disposal and at their fingertips. You look at Section 702, the FISA system, they're able to get their hands onto Americans' personal information and weaponize the levers of power against their perceived threats to the ruling elite. All right. So... I laid it out. What's your experience, GOB Actual? Have you seen this uh, firsthand? Have you heard about it? Uh, what can you tell the audience? Uh, firsthand experience. So I was assigned to the JTTF out of Quantico, and it was almost immediate where I was like, you know, there's not a whole lot going on here. Uh, doesn't seem like. Um, granted, in short order, I did get a case that kept me really busy. Uh, you know, I actually, I was thinking about it this morning when I was reading The Loop, which if you haven't subscribed, you should subscribe. But uh, there there was a story in there about uh, five um, defendants who were convicted uh, for violating the FACE Act. And my blood started getting to a boil. Now, I don't know all the details. They didn't have a ton of them in there. It was just more about the conviction. But uh, shortly after I got to Wichita, I got assigned a... Um, uh, an abortion extremism case that kept me really busy for about 18 months. It ended up being uh, kind of a, a nothing burger. It was at first, it, it was a murder for hire allegation. And uh, I think everybody probably by now knows that based on my faith and, and whatnot, that I'm, I'm pro-life. Um, but that doesn't mean that there aren't some pro-life um, pe people out there who may think it's okay to attempt to kill an abortion doctor or something along those lines. So those things do need to be investigated if they're legitimate. Now, other than that case and, um, you know, maybe one or two others that were a little more busy on the JTTF, the vast majority of people on the squad, not a lot to do. And uh, so, you know, like you said in the video, it, it's, it's become more of this intelligence gathering agency. And I think that was Hoover's goal, to be honest. And I think after 9-11, it really intensified. And, you know, you mentioned Al-Shabaab and some other groups, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, whatever. That that threat still exists, you know, globally to some degree. Uh, but now all, the, all those weapons, like 702, they have been turned inward. Uh, we, we now know that the FBI has violated their 702 use authority. So they've broken the law, by the way. You know, I know Chris Ray likes to act like it's a, a policy violation and here's a new virtual academy, but that's a Fourth Amendment violation when they do that. And they have done it hundreds of thousands of times, if not more in the past decade or so. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. And Ryan, could you uh, get the second uh, news link ready here? Because I'd like to discuss this, and I think it's it sort of combines the the national security weaponization with the uh, the quota system. It's it it's basically not necessarily a puzzle pieces that are fitting together, but I think of it more of like everybody's rowing their oars in the same direction here, and it's resulted in an out of control FBI. And this was a a recent uh, public uh, release statement, uh, Office of Public Affairs, that came, uh, and it's entitled, Pakistani doctor sentenced to 18 years in prison for attempting to provide material support to ISIS. And this came out uh, last Friday, and the FBI was putting it out on social media and touting itself. Uh, let me see what uh, your reaction is on this, Garrett. I'll read this 
here. It says, according to court documents, uh, Mohammad Masood, age 31, a licensed medical doctor in Pakistan, was formerly employed as a research coordinator at a medical clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. That's the Mayo Clinic. And he arrived under, under a, week, a work visa between January and March of 2020, right before the, uh, the COVID lockdowns. He used an encrypted messaging application to facilitate his travel overseas and join a terrorist organization. That's going to be ISIS. He made multiple statements about his desire to join ISIS, and he pledged his allegiance. Now, who did he pledge it to? I don't know. Masood also expressed his desire to conduct a lone wolf terrorist attack in the U.S. So in February, he purchased a plane ticket from Chicago to Jordan, and he was planning to travel to Syria, but because of the shutdowns, he was unable to do that. So then he agreed to fly from Minneapolis to Los Angeles to meet up with an individual who he believed would assist him with travel via cargo ship to deliver him to ISIS territory. He traveled from Rochester to LAX, and upon arrival, he was taken into custody by the FBI's JTTF in Los Angeles. Garrett, does this have all the classic hallmarks of an FBI entrapment? You know, I wish I could say it sounded like a Jack Carr novel, but uh, in reality, yes, it, this, is the, this is the playbook that the FBI has been using at least since 9-11. They, it, I'm guessing, just based on what you read, that they uh, got in touch with him with a CHS or an undercover employee, an online undercover, and they started grooming him for this attack that he otherwise wouldn't have done, which is entrapment. But then they... You know, their argument there is, well, no, uh, just because we offer up the idea to join ISIS or, you know, whatever, whatever horrible crime, fill in the blank with it. And uh, that doesn't mean that we're entrapping them because they agreed to do it. So that shows that they're predisposed to doing it. Uh, but as anybody who's lived, I don't know, long enough to learn to speak, um, human nature plays a factor here. And a lot of these people who fall for these entrapment schemes, they maybe they're a little mentally unstable. Uh, maybe they're young. Maybe they're an immigrant, uh, and they are having a hard time, you know, uh, adjusting to society in America. All sorts of things come into play here, and so in order to make friends or, you know, seem amenable to other people's ideas, they end up on this path to pledging allegiance to ISIS or whoever, and then getting arrested at the airport by the JTTF. And then those agents get to go back to the office and say, Hey, we stopped a real terrorist when in reality, just like the TSA, they haven't stopped a real terrorist in recent memory. Yeah. I think we're, we're speculating a little bit. I mean, look, like it, it could be a righteous case, but uh, it just has all those features that you and I are, have become more and more familiar with as we look at it with a more skeptical eye. A couple of things here that uh, to just screamed out to me about a problem. He came on a worker's visa. So you, in theory, he was vetted to, right. to come into the United States. So there was a, a failure there. I want to know if there's any accountability held up there. But it also made me think, did they let him in knowing that he would do this so that they could have this ISIS case? And, and I think what bolsters that argument is the fact that they brought this charge on him in 2020. It was just sentenced last week in August of 2023, which means fiscal year 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023. That is four fiscal years. The Minneapolis division has an open ISIS investigation where they actually don't have to do any work. 
They're right. just waiting on the prosecution to to flesh out the charges on it. Um, and I don't know why it would take that long. I didn't work in the national security sphere for that long. It seems to be uh, pretty extensive, but I guess you know it's not unusual as we've seen with the January Sixers. They just kind of sit idly for years upon end without having their day in court. Uh, and I think that that ties to the IPM, the Integrated Program Management Quota System, because you're able to check that box. You're able to get that ISIS case, and and uh, you might have entrapped somebody who was not predisposed to actually carrying out an attack or joining ISIS, or maybe uh, you intentionally let him in the borders of our country so that you could check the box on having that case. Right, which, you know, we've talked about that a fair amount too over the these last few months about IPM and stat padding and, and how this all tends to work uh, when you have a look behind the curtain. And think, think of that. And again, like you said, it's a lot of it is speculative, but if they let this person in just so they could have that ISIS case open, I mean, to me, that either shows one, how foolish and incompetent you are to allow someone like that into the country, or two, it shows that you knew that they were not an actual threat, but you could pump up your numbers and get that ISIS case open and then leave it open in perpetuity for four years at least until sentencing happens and then you know close it down with your final you know, big stat claim of sentencing and whatever other stats you can throw in right at the end. Yeah, I guess they're not going to get the disruption because he's a lone wolf, but uh, they still have the ISIS case, which is is pretty uh, pretty sexy. They they love to have that ISIS case. I had that that pressure from my, my executive management when I was in Jacksonville Division. Um, I want to move on to the next item on the list, but before I do, uh, you mentioned Catholic vote, so let's pay some bills here real quick, folks. Uh, Catholic Vote being one of the uh, the sponsors of the program, the Kyle Serafin Show. It is a fantastic resource. Uh, you don't have to be Catholic to enjoy it. You don't have to be Christian to enjoy it. Sign up for The Loop from Catholic Vote. And uh, I will say, and I've had this discussion with Kyle and with Garrett, it is one of the most... Uh, one of the, the best aggregators of news that I, sources that I have. And, I, and I, I'm on news and I'm in, in the fight every single day. And I have my regular uh, websites I like to visit. Uh, the Loop has certainly expanded my horizons. I've gotten access to, to news uh, that is relevant to my life and, and to what's going on in the world and in our country. Uh, and it's things that are not covered by some of the more uh, traditional news aggregator websites. I, I certainly have found great, tremendous value to that. And they are a very uh, devoted sponsor to the program. So I would encourage everybody to sign up for the loop uh, at Catholic Vote. And secondly, Ryan, could you cue up the uh, the Patriot Cooler ad? And uh, we can pull up the visual on that. And this is uh, the OG sponsor of the Kyle Serafin Show, Patriot Coolers. Uh, we have a running joke uh, whenever somebody who's uh, who criticizes Kyle or any one of the members of the Suspendables, they always like to say, I've supported you since the beginning. So it's become sort of a laugh line to us uh, whenever we see that. But as the case with Patriot Cooler, they have supported Kyle since the beginning, the first uh, sponsor that he ever had. And uh, they make a fantastic product. It uh, kept Ryan nice and cool in his visit to the border. Why don't you go ahead and run that, uh, pull that up there, Ryan. Here in Lagula, Texas. Out here tracking illegal aliens that are crossing the border. Uh, behind us is the Rio Grande over there. It's 105 degrees out, sweating my ass off. Couldn't be hotter, honestly. Backpack gear, you name it. The only way I'm staying hydrated is thanks to Kyle Serafin and Patriot Coolers. These 32 ounce American Pride Patriot Tumbler has kept my drinks ice cold this entire trip. 
you won't find a better guy or a better company to, that supports American patriots, that supports our values, that's willing to go above and beyond to make sure that the brave men and women, the whistleblowers that are coming forward, have a source of income. They donate to veterans, they do it all. They sponsor the Kyle Serafin podcast. And that's a company that I wanna be around. That's a company I wanna support. Visit patriotcoolers.com forward slash Kylesfin and get 10% off the latest Patriot coolers, tumblers, coolers, probably got some sweet merch, coffee mugs, coffee cups, you name it. Grab yourself some, grab your friends and family some, support the show. Again, my name is Ryan Meta. Catch you guys in the next one. Well done, Ryan. Uh, we were talking before the show about, uh, you know, is that heat a dry heat? And he said, it's a hot heat. And uh, the, the Patriot <laughs> Cooler is. got him through that. Um, uh, so let's uh, let's move on, though, on this list from, uh, from this list of weaponization, this top 10 list, uh, again, available at AmericaRenewing.com under the... Uh, under the issues tab, big government, you can watch videos for it uh, or actually read it. And if you queue up video number three, Ryan, this is going to involve the FBI is weaponizing process crimes and reinterpreting laws to initiate pretextual prosecutions in order to persecute political enemies. Go ahead and roll it. In federal law enforcement, you have process crimes that are normally derivative of a legitimate investigation. So let's say that there's a bank robbery, the FBI is investigating it, they have their suspect. While they're interviewing him, he lies to them. Well, that brings in an entirely new felony charge where you're lacking candor with the federal agent. You don't launch an investigation on the premise of he may have lied to a federal agent. There's normally an underlying righteous investigation going on. Well, the FBI is now contriving reasons to contact their perceived enemies politically. And as a result of that, has spun up investigations against them. And you look to no greater example than General Mike Flynn. Now, Director James Comey has publicly stated that in the early days of the Trump administration, he sent two agents to speak to Mike Flynn. The premise of it was the Russia collusion case, which has been sort of exposed as a hoax. Even high-ranking administrators within the FBI mentioned that what is the point of our conversation with Mike Flynn and in written format said, is it to get him to lie so we can charge him with a crime or get him fired? That is a perfect example of the FBI weaponizing a process crime to go after somebody who they perceive to be problematic. Reinterpreting laws is a problem that has been beefed up recently. And you see the most recent obstruction of or impeding a official proceeding that we see with so many of these January 6th subjects. That is a law that was drafted in the aftermath of the Enron scandal. It was part of the Sarbanes-Oxley Act, and it was drafted with the intention of stopping accountants from shredding documents that were going to be used to prosecute the Enron executives. It was essentially an evidence tampering law that was put in place. Well, that law is now being reinterpreted and applied to hundreds of people who walked to the Capitol, did not commit any acts of violence or vandalism, but it's a way to charge them with a felony as opposed to a misdemeanor. And interestingly enough, that same law has been reinterpreted yet again to charge Donald Trump for his involvement with having classified material at Mar-a-Lago. All right. Immediate reactions to that, Garrett? There's so much there. And as an agent, I used the threat of 18 USC 1001 numerous times because it's a good uh, way to try and ensure that 
the person you're speaking to is going to be honest with you. I never have charged it. Never one time. Even when there were times where it's like, okay, I already told this guy he's going to be obstructing us if he lies. And then he says something that you know is a lie because you did a thorough investigation. And then you hit him with that and you say, well, I know you're lying and here's the the proof. And, you know, one case I'm thinking of, I, sh I was showing him still shots uh, of security camera footage. And then it was, ah, all right, I, I don't want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> and it's like, okay, you still don't charge it. And then you use the example of Michael Flynn. It's probably one of the quintessential examples out there because I think it was a napkin that uh, the the FBI uh, agent used and I forget who it was, but they wrote, you know, are we trying to actually do a righteous investigation here? Or are we just trying to, to get him essentially? And, uh, you know, thankfully some of Michael Flynn's attorneys, the banal law group are some of my attorneys. So I'm quite familiar with that. Um, I think back in March, they filed suit against the DOJ suing civilly on behalf of general Flynn. And for, for those of you out there who like to, uh, sleuth the internet, if you can find, it's easy to find, but, uh, their uh, their complaint it's 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 a fantastic primer on what was happening during those years uh, because sometimes we forget the details but then furthermore i am now also on the receiving end of being accused of process crimes like that as you know steve as you've talked about before um you know our friend uh, representative new york d dan goldman um and he knows better or should because he was in AUSA prior to buying his seat uh, 10 years, man, 10 right. years in the Southern district of New York. Yeah. So he, you would think he would know better when he says that me mis mistaking, uh, my attorney fees being paid for by a foundation with them actually being pro bono. He knows that that's not actually obstruction. Yeah. <laughs> and your he... mistake was in not, uh, not labeling it as being as, as generous as it actually was. <laughs> right. It's like, <laughs> Okay. I mean, that go, I guess if, if you're going to charge me and arrest me for that, I mean, go ahead, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, well, I, and I've, I've pushed back and I said, the Republicans owe you a perjury or some sort of 1001, which is again, uh, lying, lacking candor with the federal agent, uh, some sort of lying to the federal authority referral to the DOJ, which, you know, it's in the hands of a Democratic apparatchik being in the Merrick Garland, uh, the general, or Lisa Monaco, who's more likely just pulling all the strings. So nothing's going to go there. But they owe you that referral for somebody like Christopher Ray, who's now been provably lied to Congress on multiple occasions, or an Elvis Chan, who's lied about the, uh, the FBI messing around with Twitter. Uh, I think the examples are rampant here. Uh, now, let me ask you this. Have, have you ever considered uh, walking into a AUSA's office and saying, hey, I think I got a thousand one charge. Can, can we can we run with it? <laughs> never, 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 never. I mean, no nobody in their right mind would do that. But like you said in that video, it's it's become weaponized, and that's exactly what it is. Yeah, I think the the crimes are, and, and from both aspects of it. So the the one thousand one charge is the if everything falls through and we we the, the drugs got flushed down the toilet and then the witnesses are in the wind and we can't find them at the very last we have to put this guy in jail for everything that he's done. It's the what they did to uh, what's it the mafia guy? You know, it's the tax evasion. It's it's the the, the fall safe yeah. that we are going to charge him with lying 
Um, so this is this is the way that we're going to, and it's a low-grade felony, so you can get people to plead guilty to a misdemeanor if, you, if necessary, uh, but it's a fallback. And then you combine that with the, the other side of it being the obstruction of an official proceeding that we've seen with all these hundreds of people on January 6th. Again, it's a felony. And people are getting charged with misdemeanor trespass or parading, whatever the, the federal statutes were, and they were tacking this obstruction of an official proceeding on top of that because that was enticing them to plead guilty to the misdemeanors, otherwise they would face the felony and that would be guaranteeing time behind bars. Right. You know, um, some troll on Twitter yesterday was asked Kyle and, and you, I, I might have even been included in there too, but I think he was more directing at Kyle. It was like, simple question, simple answer. What do you think about January 6th? And it wasn't even, what, what do you think? It was, what are your feelings? And it's like, <laughs> you know, this has nothing to do with feelings. Uh, but let's think about January 6th for a minute. Uh, Anyone who's worked in law enforcement should know that there were people based on just public information, not let alone the video and whatnot that we got to see as agents when we were you know, covering these leads. Anyone with a rational brain can look at that and say, there are people here who should be charged with felonies. They're battering police officers. They're breaking windows to enter, et cetera. You know, there, there was enough of that going on that would keep agents across the country somewhat busy and, and going after true perpetrators that ought to be charged. And then there are countless people who are standing behind the velvet rope because they showed up two hours later and there was no fracas going on. And now they're like, oh, people are going in and I guess I'll go in too. Are we really going to devote and dedicate the full-fledged power of the FBI, the world's most powerful law enforcement agency to that? The answer should be no, but we know the answer has been yes, which which just goes to show even more how politicized it is. And I know people will say, ah, well, you're just a mega Trump hack, Cash Patel, J6 supporter. And it's like, none of that could be further from the truth. Um, but if you just think about it from a rational, reasonable law enforcement perspective, uh, both things were happening. Yet we're... we're we're throwing the book at every single person who was involved and trying to weed them out as much as we can. When in your, in your case, you could have been going after child porn possessors and people who were doing horrific crimes like that. But no, we're going to go after the grandma standing behind the velvet rope. It, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and I think the entire incident, I think Kyle's compared to the, uh, the great Rorschach test. And unfortunately, too many people have to pick a side. It's you know, either it was all good or it was all evil. And I think we have to be, uh, certainly as investigators, you have to have the ability to hold more than one thought in your mind at the same time. And and you can say that somebody committed a crime and they can still be entitled to their due process rights and their civil rights. And then that doesn't change that fact in this country, uh, which was one of my concerns. I mean, look, we had a guy who was accused of a felony. Probably was a righteous investigation. But when he says to you, I will cooperate, and then you don't talk to him for a year and a half and instead elect 18 months later to send SWAT to his house. That sounds a lot like Waco and Ruby Ridge to me, where you're setting yourself up to have uh, a fall, where you're going to have a risk to that person's safety, the the personnel's safety. It's easily foreseeable. It's, you're, not, you're not taking a, a big leap intellectually on that. Uh, and, I, and I think that, that that's been too often the case with so many of these January 6th cases. And, and I think that also it's not perfect. It's a very messy situation. Anytime you were dealing with actually millions of people 
all engaging in independent actions at one location, there, there's nothing that's, again, back to the puzzle. It doesn't all fit perfectly. There's not Dr. Evil behind the scenes, you know, with the cat who's paying, who's trying to set up all these, uh, these, these Trump voters to, to go to prison. And I don't think that the, uh, the proud boys were going to overthrow the government. Um, you know, I, I, I tried to itemize some of my broad strokes of it and then see if, if you agree or if you have some additions to throw in there. I think that there were people that engaged in violence. I think that there were professional provocateurs that were there who were dressed in the, the MAGA gear, but they were in fact uh, trying to make them look bad and, and, uh, and, and undercut what their efforts were. I think that there were informants that had infiltrated organizations and uh, as we've discussed and then we can discuss later on this list if we get, have time to get to it. The informant protocols are broken and they will push groups of individuals to do things that are not predisposed to do. Uh, I think that the groups like the Proud Boys or the Oath Keepers or these other organizations that have been painted as these domestic terror groups that were trying to overthrow America and seize our democracy, hat tip to special agent in charge, Sherry Onks of the Jacksonville Field Office. Um, I think they went there after being frustrated for uh, about a year uh, in 2020 of sitting and watching Antifa and BLM tear up our cities and seeing these avocado toast kids, uh, and we'll see later on in this program a video of, and they said, I'm going to go there and give them the butt whipping that their daddy never gave them, which is why they had the, the, the body armor and the helmets and no weapons, but they just were prepared to get into a fist fight, which... You know, you shouldn't intend to ever get into a fist fight, but I think you can wrap your head around that as a, a testosterone-driven male. And then lastly, and this is, I think, the largest component that nobody's talked about. When was the last time that you saw a miracle on 34th Street? Uh, probably last Christmas. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, you got little, little girls. Okay. Uh, the scene in the courtroom when they walk through with all the letters from Santa Claus. Kids, make sure you write Santa Claus this year, by the way. Um to prove that Santa Claus is real. I think that there was an element of that amongst large groups of the crowd, that they're going to walk through the people's house, which is supposed to be the people's house. We're going to redress our grievances and express ourselves to these Congress people because President Trump brought a lot of people to the political fold who were very novice at it and very naive, I think, not really come to the conclusion that you and I have so much of like, oh, it's just this game, nobody's really gonna do anything. But they thought walking through the Capitol will demonstrate to these people the magnitude of the support behind Donald Trump and the questions behind the outcome of 2020 election. And the Congress people will be floored like the judge in that case of Miracle on 34th Street was and will be then driven to actually do an audit of the election. Yeah, I, you know, hat tip to you for another fantastic analogy uh <laughs> i love those i don't know how you come up with them but you're, you're metaphorically good speaking by steve friend that'll yeah. be uh that'll be my next uh, big hit um but yeah I, I mean i think that's a good point because who, who hasn't done something out of anger that they regret who hasn't said something out of malice or spite that they regret to i mean most of the time we do it to a loved one which which is an interesting uh, rabbit hole to, to jump into. But in this case, yeah, you had all these people who thought, I'm going to show them. I'm going to show whoever they are, Congress, the, the left, the swamp, whatever, whatever they, whoever they are, we're going to, we're going to show them what, that we mean business. Okay. That was dumb. Um, but they did it. It happened. 
And I think you're right. They thought, okay, we're going to be taken seriously. But what they've failed to realize, and it's something I have probably realized a lot more in the last year, uh, especially with testifying and all of that, they don't, nobody cares. They're not, they, they're, they're not going to take you seriously. They're, it's just, it's a game. Like you said, it's a game. It's a game to the, the political class, uh, those in Congress. And it's all about to them moving the pieces around the checkerboard and, um, us, you know, lay people and us peasants, we think that it all matters a lot more than it does. And honestly, it should matter a lot more than, than it does to most people. But we have for decades now, I think we have fallen away from what this nation was founded on and how it is supposed to be by and for the people. And it truly is by and for the elites now. And I, I just don't think a lot of people on January 6th or a lot of people today uh, have come to that realization. And it's a sad one to come to, but for me, at least that that's, that's the truthful position to land on. It is. I think we both landed there and uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, uh, we, we found each other and we've been able to commiserate together and, uh, and talk about these issues and try to push them out into the public as much as we can on this fledgling podcast whenever Kyle lets us <laughs> uh, come on as guests. And then today, uh, getting, getting the reins, getting to sit in Captain Kirk's seat. So let's, uh, let's move on to the uh, item number four. Again, this is AmericaRenewing.com. This is a list of weaponization uh, items that are within the FBI. If you go to the website, it's under the Issues tab, Big Government. You can watch the videos attached to it uh, and also read and, and sh share it around as much as you can. This is going to be issue four, Ryan. This is video four, and it involves the FBI's intelligence analysis capability increasingly dictating its operations, and it's turning the FBI into an intelligence agency with a law enforcement capability. Go ahead and run it. We recently saw an intelligence analyst out of the Richmond field office draft this report pertaining to radical traditional Catholics. Now, if you read that report, it's a grievance list against individuals who prefer the Latin mass, hold a uh, view that is pro-life, pro-traditional marriage, pro-border sovereignty. And if you pull back from that, it was not only sourced improperly where they only used left-leaning sources such as the Southern Poverty Law Center, the Atlantic, Salon.com, but it targeted those individuals for infiltration, to recruit sources, and they wanted to recruit people to inform on their fellow parishioners for holding views that are shared by a large swath of the American population. And the overriding theory behind that report was these people could become radicalized against the government. So that's the thermal exhaust port that Kyle was able to bring out a few months back with the radical traditional Catholic memo from the Richmond field office. It is the memo, the intelligence report that Christopher Ray lied about when he said it was completely isolated and within the Richmond division has now been exposed that uh, elements and personnel from Los Angeles and Portland were involved in that as well. So again, where's that perjury referral uh, judiciary committee? I exactly. think we, we need to have that, that brought up, uh, but I think it's, it's a larger issue. And I, I've kind of come on this, this idea from that report, and I've, you know, I've read through it, and I know you have as well. The word in there, and in, in the full disclaimer, the, the entire report needs to be tossed into the dustbin of history. It's abhorrent and disgusting. The word that disturbs me most is opportunity. 
Mm-hmm. They said that the Catholic parishes are an opportunity. Well, an opportunity for what? Well, in that case, it's an opportunity to recruit parishioners to inform on their fellow parishioners and give us information about them becoming radicalized anti-government extremists. So the FBI is always looking for opportunities. That's not in keeping with traditional law enforcement. Law enforcement's goal is to keep crime down, but because of the integrated program management quota system where it turns that on its head, you're incentivized to hit the stats, drive the stats up. So you're always looking for opportunities. In this case, it was an opportunity for a confidential human source. Uh, with the Pakistani doctor from the Mayo Clinic, that was an opportunity for a domestic terrorist case, especially an ISIS case, which is very valuable and very hard to get now. And there's always looking for an opportunity. Look at the military, uh, the uh, the Michigan case in Gresham Whitmer, the Wolverine Watchman. That was an opportunity for a domestic violent extremist case. The FBI is always looking for opportunities. Your thoughts? Always, always looking for opportunities. I I agree. Um, another case that many probably don't know about that is a another great example of this. It was decided by the Supreme Court in 2020. It's called Tanzan versus Tanbeer. I know of this case because my very first SSA uh, is named in the case. When she was an agent in New York, she was working on the JTTF. I, I don't remember exactly what uh, aspect of JTTF, if it was CI or IT or whatever it was. But her and her squad mates uh, started approaching members of the greater Islamic community and trying to turn them into CHSs. And they threatened them with all sorts of uh, things they they cannot threaten people with, like, we're going to put you on a watch list. We're not going to let you leave the country or we're not going to let you back into the country and all sorts of stuff like that. But it gets worse because these people said, I don't want to do that. I don't want to work against my community. Uh, I don't want to work against people who believe the same way I believe. Uh, I just want you to leave me alone. Well, her and her squad mates, they didn't leave them alone. They did put them on terrorist watch lists and uh, they did harass them to the point of, you know, some of them losing jobs and all sorts of stuff. Like if you dive into this case, it's heart wrenching. Um, and, uh, we're seeing that again now with this this Catholic document. It was it's all about that opportunity, and different sects of religions. The government in this country has forgotten that we have a First Amendment that we can worship whoever we want or no one if we want. I mean, you all should uh, turn your life to Jesus Christ and recognize that He's your Lord and Savior. But in this country, you're free to talk like I just talked about whatever God or, or fake God or no God that you want. Um, but the FBI has said, no, we're going to use it as an opportunity to drum up terrorism, domestic terrorism, you name it. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think the FBI itself sort of views itself as almost a religious entity where you have the cult of the director. He's, you know, he, he is he's the leader of this uh, this organization and you have to express fealty to it. I mean, that's why I had these these moments where my meetings with my executive management where they were like just floored that I could possibly think that I had an oath of office not above my duty to the FBI. Uh, and it's it's very disturbing when when you're in that room. It's um I almost had that sense of the I cannot remember for the life of me that that movie where they they start chanting one of us, one of us one of us and it was it was almost you know just 
they had that that sensation of they just wanted me to they like they really thought I was gonna be like you know what you're right I'm one of you and I will go back to work right now, uh, but you know the the toothpaste was not out of the tube with uh, with somebody <laughs> like me at that point. Uh, how, how old do you think the intelligence branch is in the FBI? Mm, man, as an actual branch? Yeah, as an official branch. I'm gonna take a stab at it and say that that was spawned out of 9/11, but it could. That's go a back good further. guess. Yeah. It's a good guess. It's actually younger than that. 2014, brainchild of James Comey. Wow. So, for any argument for um, continuing to fund this this FBI as it currently stands, which I think any reasonable objective analysis of the American people are not getting 11 billion dollars uh, worth of value for the expenditure that it's giving to the FBI. Uh, but oh, we can't we can't possibly operate as a country without the FBI as it's presently constituted with this intelligence branch. It's less than ten years old, and I think that's also worth noting that it creates dozens of these senior executive service positions, and they're they should be eliminated because they're often populated by people who have checked the box enough to promote, but that just are not good at or even proficient enough at the promotion process to get the the sexier jobs so they kind of like put them into the land of misfit toys and intelligence like our friend jennifer moore who came back from the land of misfit toys uh, to ascend to executive assistant director of human resources yeah and uh, then she uh, signed the uh security clearance death warrant for all of us and miraculously i don't know if we've told the the audience this before but uh she was deposed on uh, June 2nd, and uh, then she retired on June 3rd. Is that suspicious to anybody? Seems su suspicious to me. Yeah, and found a nice landing spot for herself over at General Electric. I'm sure she's making some Boco, uh, Boco pay right now, uh, more than her her salary and her bonus structure was within the uh, within the FBI. So, you know, definitely good, well done, good and faithful servant of the regime. And speaking of that, and uh, we can pivot away here in the final minutes um, off of this list. Um, I think uh, anybody who wants to, to go and, and we can talk about in the future uh, some more parts of it. I think they're, they're worth going into. I'd like to get Carrot's perspective on it. But just talking about Jennifer Moore, I'd like to do uh, two palate cleanses to send everybody off on their hump day. Uh, one is going to be a, just a question from me, and the other is going to be a final video. So first question are you familiar with the game kiss kill or marry <laughs> yeah i am <laughs> all right well so just just to prevent any sort of uh censorship or accusations of violence security division i know you are watching the kyle seraphin show we're going to slightly change this game to kiss jail or marry okay and uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm going to name three names, and Garrett will be responsible for what he would do to each one of them. He would either give them a kiss, put them in jail, or marry them. So prepare yourself, GOB Actual, for this list. Christopher Ray, Jennifer Moore, Nicole Parker. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, let's see here. I've thought this through. You want to give? I, I can give you my analysis. No, no, no. no. I, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna go into it cold. Um, oh man. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kiss Chris. I'm gonna jail Jen, and I'm gonna marry Nicole Parker. Okay. Reasons? Reasons? Anyone you want to go into, or is it just? Uh, I, Jen Moore has a special place in my heart um, for what she's done to all of us, and uh, so she can go to jail for that, and then. Uh, Chris Ray, you know what? I can give I can give him a kiss. I can look past his misdeeds 
and incompetence and, and give him some love and uh, a whisper in his ear that I think he needs to turn his life to Christ uh, on my way out. And then uh, Nicole Parker um, to marry because I'm thinking longevity, long-term. I think I could get past some of the, oh, how, how, how would I, how would I phrase this? Um, some of her um, grasps at the spotlight and I think I think we could make it work long term. Okay, I like it. I respect it. Um, I have put way more thought into this than any human should. <laughs> and let me give you what my rationale is for what I've done this. And Ryan, let me let me get to your thoughts too. Should I get approval or not? This is metaphorically speaking, of course, security division. Um, you cannot marry Jennifer Moore because you either wind up dead or in jail for child porn, as both of her prior husbands are. So that's off the board, right? So I'm going to marry Christopher Ray. <laughs> and the reason that I'm going to marry Christopher Ray is he is a uh, government bachelor who lives apart from you in Washington, D.C. You can live in a sweet Atlanta mansion, live the life of a guy who earned nine million dollars uh, and just be like a stay at home husband and not have to fulfill your husbandly responsibilities uh, with any sort of regularity. So I think that that's the way you got to go on that one. Right. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> All right. So, and then, and you gotta, you gotta jail Jennifer Moore. I mean, obviously she's uh, she's ruined countless lives and has landed in this spot uh, of luxury for herself and demonstrate herself to just be a flat out evil person. And, uh, and I guess you, then you leaves you with kissing Nikki Parker, um, who's been affectionately referred to as FBI Barbie. Um, and I don't do that with any sense of satisfaction or pleasure it's just to mess up her $200 makeup that she got for her photo op in front of the cameras at the arrest operation that she had no involvement with. I like it. I mean, okay. we, we landed relatively soon. Relatively, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed. I devoted you know hours of my life of analysis. I mean, like, you know, I, it's been, it's been well-documented that Steve friend is a uh, long distance runner. So like two hours a day, I mean, there, there were runs that, was just devoted to this question. <laughs> I mean, that'll get you through those long runs as you play out every single scenario. Um, I'd, I have a question now, though, uh, for the security division who's watching. Are they still going to try and claim that you're homophobic uh, or that this show is homophobic? Because, I mean, you admitted you would marry Christopher Ray. Not that there's a problem with that, to quote the great <laughs> Seinfeld. Correct. That is that is an excellent point. Uh, so I, I guess you could be um, a homosexual who uh, incites violence unless you're in Covenant Christian School in, in Tennessee. Um, but uh, you certainly are not homophobic. So excellent point, uh, GOB Actual. And uh, we want to pivot to our last video here. Um, this is, again, close to my heart. It's going to be close to Garrett's heart. We, were, we actually did the real law enforcement. This is a video um, from the protest in Nevada that was preventing traffic from reaching the, uh, the I think was it the Burning Man uh, ceremony? Um, Ryan, can you queue up video number five? Um, this is what real police work looks like, unlike the FBI, which is law enforcement cosplay. Let's go ahead and run it. Yeah. 
There you have it. Father of four small children. I assume that you were accustomed to the, the child that just plants himself on the floor of the supermarket and starts screaming and crying <laughs> like an out of control toddler. Um, unfortunately, these people are old enough to drive. Uh, now, I, I would like to contrast this with what we talked about with the arrests that went on with the street side preachers like in Wisconsin. Uh, and I think that it's worth noting because, like, it's funny that guy rolls out. I had to, I had to find a different video, the the one that's unedited uh, and has no no bleeps in it. Uh, I want to keep it family friendly. But he comes out with his shorts on and his tactical boots because it's Nevada and burning hot. But it's like such a dad move, and he's screaming like, "Get on the ground!" And I'm like, "That's that's my Huckleberry right there." Uh, and, but it's important to note that, look, if the street preacher had been obstructing traffic, I would expect no different treatment. It's not anything ideological it's the way the the actual behavior of the people there where they're putting their beliefs in front of people and if you want to do that it's civil disobedience there are consequences for that uh you know and there's there's the uh, the piper needs to be paid um right. and uh, and this guy uh was not afraid to be accused of being overly aggressive and he was very professional with them and uh and and was arresting them and they could scream how they were being hurt but it was pretty clear to me at least just watching the arrest they the handcuffing techniques were uh, were pretty pretty standard yeah i agree uh you know it's you watch that i love how one of those protesters said did anybody get that yeah <laughs> you record you're recording yourself breaking the law you cannot block a road in any <laughs> part of the United States that I'm aware of. So those officers acted how they ought to have acted because you were breaking the law. Now, if you were standing on the side of the road off, off on the shoulder with your signs and protesting or on a street corner somewhere, or even if you went and got a permit to do it in front of city hall, go ahead, go and do that all you want, but you cannot block a road. And we saw that in 2020 as well with Antifa and BLM as well. And usually nothing was done about it. Um, so in this case, it's good to see that he went through and said, no, you, this this is done. This is over. That's what law enforcement is supposed to do when people are violating the law. And so and then when she when the one is screaming, he's hurting me, he's hurting me. Yeah, standard standard handcuffing techniques is what it looked like. And then on top of it, when you are passively resisting. So like the child screaming in the middle of the supermarket, you lift that child up and you stick them in the cart or you carry them out of the store or whatever. Same as in this case, when you're just sitting there like, I'm not moving, I'm protesting. Uh, well, then I am authorized to use a little bit of force to take you into custody. And then when you start with resistive tension and pulling away, now you are resisting. And so now I'm justified and authorized to use even more force. Where in this case, they didn't even use that much force. They put her face down on the ground and took her into custody. I mean, that's standard stuff. Standard stuff. And that's when you get to drop the line of these handcuffs are new. They'll loosen up. Don't worry. <laughs> All right. Uh, so there you have it, folks. Uh, I appreciate everybody's time and attention today. Again, I get it. You're used to hearing Kyle's voice. He will be returning very shortly. Um, and I, I hope that we provided some some insight and some laughter here. Uh, before we leave, Garrett, why don't you uh, put out uh, your, your socials so people know where to follow you? Uh, yeah, GOB Actual pretty much anywhere. Uh, Truth, Twitter, and 
Instagram and then uh, my la- my Substack lastline.substack.com and then if you're if you're interested in merch which I'm working on we've had a handful of orders come in uh, it's the-suspendables.com and uh, just a, a heads up for Labor Day weekend starting Friday I implemented a little um, crash sale so 10% off if you use the code labor all capitals l a b o r at checkout so the-suspendables.com if you're interested in that great job garrett that's how you celebrate a communist holiday like labor day <laughs> excellent uh folks you can follow uh ryan ryan why don't you give throw out your information i'm not familiar enough as kyle is uh you can follow me on ryan Mata media and don't forget to give a big shout out to everybody who has went out of their way to leave us a five star review i wasn't sure if you're going to get to this steve if you were you want to give them a shout out yeah, absolutely. Uh, good catch by you. So five-star review, folks. Make sure you like the smash button. Uh, give five-star reviews. It helps the show. It helps it get to more ears. I think that the content we're presenting is unique. It gives an insider account of a lot of this, and, and Kyle, is uh, he operates at a whole other level. And if you are following along, you are operating a whole other level, and we appreciate you. We love the relationship that we have with you. So here is, uh, is one from last week. It's uh, interviews you won't hear anywhere else. Kyle's long-form interviews are top-notch. He's willing to interview people mainstream media won't touch. He asks insightful questions and provides a platform of, for people to tell their story as it is without any spin or agenda. And that's from Brian102 or Britain102. Britain Thank you very much for, for leaving that review. Um, I like to count myself as somebody that the mainstream media won't touch uh, from our friendly Fridays. You can follow me, everybody, uh, at Real Steve Friend on Twitter, at Real underscore Steve Friend on Truth Social. Again, the book is still out there. True Blue, My Journey from Beat Cop to Suspended FBI Whistleblower. And I encourage everybody, the information we talked about today uh, is at the Center for Renewing America's website, americarenewing.com. You can learn about everything that is going on there. Have a fantastic day. God bless you all, and thank you. Thanks for listening to The Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live weekdays on rubble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.